0: WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. <laughs> It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC.
1: Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunny, but cold today. The high is going to be just 36. Tonight and overnight, a few passing clouds. Low 29, and then Wednesday, sun and clouds high 42. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 20 and clear in Thornwood, up in Westchester County. It's 16 and clear in Hamburg, down in New Jersey, and it is 26 and clear outside our midtown studios right now a whole lot to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour. sid and friends in the morning wild scene at a gucci store in the meatpacking district yesterday boy these burglars these robbers getting more and more bold this is middle of the day lunchtime these three robbers walk into the gucci store meatpacking district which no doubt was crowded yesterday because people were off for the holiday over the weekend. I was in the city and Times Square it was just packed with people. So this robbery happening lunchtime, West 14th Street, one of the busiest, trendiest neighborhoods. These three walk into the store and they hold up the place and people, of course, in the neighborhood hearing about it afterwards going, wow,
2: these, these bold dudes. I mean, like, what if my family was in there? My, my, my daughters are here. We could have been in that store.
1: It's crazy. So the suspects, two men and a woman, pull out guns. They tell everybody in the store to get on the ground. They take several pieces of luggage, other miscellaneous items worth thousands of dollars, walk out of the store. Nobody's been able to find them since.
3: very daring at the middle of the day for somebody to rob a very high-end store at gunpoint and put all the... The poor people there at risk.
1: Terrible. Yeah. So the thieves got away in a black Toyota with New York license plates, went westbound down 14th street. Thankfully, they did not injure the workers. But again, middle of the day, lunchtime, Monday, this meatpacking district just packed with people and they go and grab these items, guns uh, ablaze and walk back out of the store. I guess the good ending is that nobody was hurt. Then you have this wild story over the weekend, and everybody has a scratch in their heads. a lot of angry reactions continue to come in from the New York Archdiocese over the funeral. Of a transgender community leader at St. Patrick's Cathedral, more than a thousand of people attended this Catholic service last Thursday that celebrated the life of Cecilia Gentili, who was a leading activist for the transgender community. Uh, she was a former sex worker and the family had asked to hold, or members of the community had asked the St. Patrick's Cathedral to hold her funeral there. And clearly they did not know everything about her when they held this service and the church was not happy afterwards.
4: I think when one of the eulogists, you know, used the word for um for prostitute in Spanish and I, I looked at the person sitting next to me and said, wait till they translate that. It was more celebratory than we normally see in a Catholic church and actually was kind of refreshing.
1: Yeah, but the Archdiocese calling this funeral service just a complete scandal. They even held a special mass of reparation to re-sanctify the church after what it called scandalous behavior. The uh, church issuing a statement saying the cathedral only knew the family and friends who were requesting a funeral mass for a Catholic and they had no idea there welcome prayer would be degraded in such a sacrilegious way and deceptive way now people everywhere talking about this over the weekend some catholic tourists were visiting saint pat's had mixed opinions about the whole thing
0: it's a sad thing that to see that happening because uh, you want to open space for everybody make everything inclusive uh, as long as everyone respects each other So Cecilia
1: was originally from Argentina, came to the U.S. for a safer life as a transgender woman. She worked as a sex worker, which uh, came with drug use. She then helped raise millions of dollars of awareness for the trans community. But again, the church had no idea this was part of the funeral service or about her. And they were outraged afterwards.
3: I'm against all sort of prejudice. All sort of prejudice. We are all equals. Many
1: of the attendees... uh, on miniskirts, fishnet stockings, while others had halter tops and high heel shoes on during what was kind of a rowdy service that reportedly include dancing in the aisles and a call for easier, easier uh, gender transition. Uh, again, the church saying the cathedral only knew that the family and friends who were requesting a funeral mass for a Catholic, had no idea that their welcome prayer would be degraded in such a sac religious way. And uh, they're calling for an apology. The transgender community say they're not going to get that apology. Uh, so what's going to happen with this? A group of truckers say they're protesting after former President Trump was fined $350 million last Friday. They say they're going to stop shipping stuff or at least driving stuff here to New York City in protest.
2: According to NYC.gov, 90% of the Big Apple's goods are moved into and around the city by truck. So this trucker protest using the hashtag boycott NYC could be a headache. A group of truck drivers who support former President Trump say they won't be driving their rigs to New York. This man, known as Chicago Ray, online.
0: I've been on the radio talking to drivers for about... The last hour, I'm heading down from South Wisconsin. They ain't going to New York City.
2: James Flippin for 77
1: WABC News. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, Yesterday, of course, was President's Day. Experts ranking America's greatest presidents with President Biden coming in at number 14. This according to the 2024 Presidential Greatness Project Expert Survey, which is conducted among experts in presidential politics. Abraham Lincoln takes the title As America's best presidents, at least, best president, at least with this crew of folk.
2: I feel like he has the most interesting story, um, like what he did, like the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, he's got the look, you know, like he's probably the easily the most identifiable president, like tall beard. Yeah, I think he would be like the best. Plus his story, you know, the assassination story.
1: Yeah, so Biden tops President Reagan, betrayals President Obama, who ranked number seven. Meantime, President Trump ranked last on this list. It comes as we, you know, brace for this likely rematch between Trump and Biden. Probably
2: George Washington. Maybe Barack Obama. Ronald
4: Reagan. John F. Kennedy. JFK. Yeah, Ronald Reagan. It.
1: Everybody in Midtown had a different opinion on who was the best president ever. WABC News Time 509. Out to California. Boy, it's a weather mess there. And it has been for a couple weeks now. All kinds of rain, deluge of storms. Governor Newsom activating the state operations center is another powerful storm Just whips its way through California. Newsom ordering the California office of emergency services to get boots on the ground, protect people first
4: responders, so fired rescue personnel crews from across state government into communities that could be at risk. So if there are dangers, we can react quickly.
1: Yeah, areas of Los Angeles, Ventura, St. Barbara counties, as well as uh, problem spots in South Orange County, San Diego County. This is a statewide thing.
4: Along the central coast and down into Los Angeles County, we're worried about flash flooding and land movement. And that's largely associated with the ground being just so saturated with water from the series of storms landslides in Topanga Canyon and in Rancho House Faraday. So keeping a close eye on that, even down into San Diego, where they had severe flooding.
1: Yeah, I mean, things have gotten so bad that the National Guard could be called in to help. We out. We have
4: National Guard reps in our state operations center with us, and they have the ability to deploy quickly if need be. So we're working closely with the county emergency services offices, county fire department, folks who live in those areas so that they can make informed decisions to get themselves out. We very well may have sheriffs pulling the trigger on evacuations.
1: San Diego going to see the majority of the storm this afternoon as it moves from north to south across the county.
4: The rainfall that we're expecting for tomorrow morning through Wednesday increased not just in coverage, but also intensity as we go through tomorrow morning and afternoon. Yeah, So
1: it's been bad. Uh, lots of people getting flooded out. And of course, the water tables there already just fall from the last couple of storms that have hit California over the last couple of weeks. Five eleven. The widow of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny says the Kremlin is hiding his body in an effort to cover up his murder. Correspondent Matt Baldner has the latest on the allegations of this ongoing cover-up.
5: I think right now it's very safe to say a message is being sent in the way the Russian government is handling this. I mean... Alexei Navalny is already dead. This is this is sort of torturous, I, I would imagine, for the family.
1: Vocal critic of President Putin died last week in a Russian prison and his mother and lawyers have reportedly been denied access to his body. His widow accused authorities of waiting for traces of poison to leave his body till she can get and see it. It's meant
5: to send a message, I think, not to the family, but to Russians, Russian voters, potential Russian uh, opposition voters, uh, where just about a month away from a Russian presidential election in which President Putin is essentially running unopposed in a meaningful sense.
1: And a human rights group says over 400 supporters of Navalny have been arrested since the Russian opposition leader died last week.
6: In Russia, Navalny supporters have been laying flowers and tributes, which Russian authorities are promptly removing.
1: Correspondent Richard Engel says Navalny died Friday, maximum security prison, northern Russia. The group OVD Info, which monitors political arrests in Russia, said since Navalny's death, people have been arrested for simply placing flowers at one of his memorials. And then maybe you've seen video of some of these people. You think, like, how brave can you be with signs uh, up in Moscow with cameras capturing them? And then you also need to see the crew of cops come in and take those people away. You wonder What's going to happen to them afterwards? Prison
6: officials say the 47-year-old Navalny collapsed and died suddenly last week at a penal colony in Siberia. Navalny's widow blaming President Putin for his death and accusing the Kremlin of holding his body to hide
1: the evidence. Yeah, wild times in Russia, no doubt. Let's move over to France. Eiffel Tower workers on strike, marking the second time in a month that staff have taken industrial action, they call it. In Paris, Ross Collins says workers are demanding an immediate review of the monument's financial management.
6: Eiffel Tower staff argue that maintenance costs at the 135 year old monument are being underestimated ahead of the Olympics. The Eiffel Tower is the most visited attraction in the French capital and it is due to have a starring role in this summer's games, notably with the Olympic opening ceremony on the River Seine in July, finishing underneath the tower. Ross
1: Cullen, Paris. All right, let's bring it back home. Go down to Washington. The chair of the House Intelligence Committee said he had fears that the White House was sleeping walking, sleepwalking into another international crisis. My
2: concern is that this is kind of like the Chinese spy balloon and the, the administration is kind of hiding perhaps, you know, some in action.
1: Ohio Republican Congressman Mike Turner there, who's at the Munich Security Conference in Germany says that was the reason he publicly expressed concerns last week about a serious national security threat. Turner, wants the Biden administration to declassify information related to the threat. He acknowledged that the White House is beginning to take some action. Turner would not confirm whether or not that threat refers to news of Russia developing a space-based nuclear weapon to attack satellites. At least that's what some newspapers were reporting at the end of last week.
2: I'm very glad that the administration is beginning to take action. Uh, we met with Jake Sullivan and he began to lay out a plan uh, that hopefully would begin to address this.
1: Yeah, so, the, of course, the question is, will we know more about this threat? Maybe not. Turner says the U.S. must see the importance of whatever's going on. They
2: are going to be taking it seriously. I think they will be taking action, and that obviously is the goal.
1: Yeah, and he says he'll keep calling out the White House if they don't give specific information or hand over specific information to his committee. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you,
2: Noam Aladdin Start with some uh, developing news here. At a St. John's, this heated way up yesterday, where head coach uh, Rick Petino said yesterday he stands by the criticism he leveled at his team Sunday night after the Red Storm blew a 19-point first half lead in a 68-62 to home loss to Tri-State rival and fellow bubble team Seton Hall. The uh, Hall of Fame coach in his first season at St. John's didn't hold back during a press, com- uh, press conference post-game in which he questioned his players' toughness and mentioned several by name while describing their athletic shortcomings. Here's a bit of what Patino had to say.
0: Just lack toughness. It's really that all the toughness things are why we give up leads. We are so non-athletic <laughs> that we can't guard anybody without fouling. And really it's not about losing. Because even in winning, winning when we watch the film, I see unathletic plays, I I see people that don't handle the ball, that's just interested in taking quick shots. So it's been a disappointing year. This has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Jeez. Oh, my Second God. You've been coaching, coaching a long shot? time. Yeah. No, not at all. Oh it's not St. John's. It's my team. <laughs> no. Look, I'm disappointed. I don't want to say the wrong God. things. Really said the wrong like, things. Jesus. You already did.
2: Too late. <laughs> it was thirty-five seconds. You saying <laughs> the wrong things. Wait.
0: So is this about like
1: waking up his team, or is he really trying to do that's something what at he St. Said, John's? And
2: that's that's that was yesterday's development. Was he said to Newsday? You know, I didn't uh, I, I didn't mean to uh, rip anybody, or I wasn't ripping anybody. That wasn't my intention. I was really just trying to let my players hear uh, hear my thoughts and, and be transparent. Uh, to my guys. Um, so that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is not in front of the press and do it in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't recruit this team, right? He's his first season right. at St. John's. Right. right. And so. they, and they went on about that as well. Did you have enough time to recruit? You know, did you took the job quick and then all of a sudden, you know, the season is, is, uh, rushing up on you? And he, he admitted that, uh, he wasn't expecting to be, uh, you know, an uber successful program this season, especially with the way that they were able to, uh, recruit or lack thereof. Um, this off season, so but the wheels have really fallen off. They started twelve and four, Uh but they've gone two and uh, two and eight in their past ten games. Wow, jeez, fall to ninth place, ninth place, I should say, in the Big East, out of uh, the projected NCAA tournament field. So we'll see if they can pick it back up. But uh Patino. Not happy. News out of Brooklyn ahead of the second half of the NBA season getting underway later this week after firing coach Jacques Vaughn. The Brooklyn Nets are promoting assistant Kevin Ollie, 10-term head coach. Ollie will run the Nets practice today and start his head coaching duties on Thursday against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the Nets have 28 regular season games left on their schedule. Looking ahead to ice hockey action tonight given the local absence of action yesterday. The Rangers Islanders and Devils will all drop 7 p.m. pucks tonight as they return indoors. At the Garden, the Rangers will welcome in the Dallas Stars while the Islanders visit the Penguins in Pittsburgh, and the Devils face off with the Capitals in D.C. That is Sports Nome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC.
1: WABC News Time 520. Let's go down to Texas. Joel Osteen's Houston mega church held services a week after a woman opened fire in the sanctuary with the rifle. This is a time to shine brighter than ever, to share more hope, to dig down deep and say we will not fear,
6: for our God is stronger.
1: Genesis Moreno was shot and killed by off-duty law enforcement officers at the Lakewood Church when she pulled out this rifle. Thank God for those off-duty officers. Her seven-year-old son was also shot, but it's not clear by who. He remains in critical condition. A week ago, Lord, pushing back forces of darkness, that your angels were here protecting us. Osteen praising those who protected the church.
0: These were heroes. Courage rose up in them. They fought fear and
1: they saved us all. Yeah, those two off duty cops were truly heroes. Could have been so
3: much
4: worse that God's protection was there. Didn't feel any hesitation coming by.
1: Yeah, good job. Again, done by those off-duty cops at the church. 521, let's go out to the 2024 race for the White House. Donald Trump comparing the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny to his legal problems here in the U.S. In a
0: post on Truth Social, the former president said the death of Navalny made him more aware of what's happening in the U.S., He said radical left politicians, prosecutors and judges are leading the nation down a path to destruction. Trump is currently facing 91 felony charges across four different cases, including his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election and was recently ordered to pay $355 million as part of his civil fraud trial in New York. I'm Brian Shook.
1: Presidential hopeful Nikki Haley says she has just one more fellow to defeat on her way to the GOP nomination. Former South Carolina governor speaking at a Fox Town Hall.
3: Recently a poll came out, this should shock everybody, that 58% of Gen Zers are not planning on voting in this election. And the only reason people don't vote is when they think no one's listening. And that's a problem.
1: Haley says she would pardon former President Trump if he's convicted of a crime.
3: I believe in the best interest of bringing the country together, I would pardon Donald Trump because I think it's important for the country to move on.
1: Trump currently facing two federal indictments for his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election. I
3: believe in the best interest of bringing the country together, I would pardon Donald Trump because I think it's important for the country to move on. We've got to leave the negativity and the baggage behind. I don't want this country divided any further. I don't think it's in the best interest for America to have an 80-year-old president sitting in jail and having everybody upset about it. Of
1: course, she's way behind in all these polls of future uh, races coming up, primary races. The next one's the South Carolina Republican primary, which takes place
5: Saturday. Both Nikki Haley and Donald Trump are campaigning across the state before voters head to the polls on Saturday Former South Carolina Governor Haley is holding a rally in Greer tonight. She's got a number of campaign stops and rallies planned throughout the week, including a rally in Clemson on Tuesday and one in Beaufort on Wednesday. Meanwhile, former President Trump is participating in a pre-taped town hall event with Fox News Channel's Laura Ingram at the Greenville Convention Center on Tuesday. He's also holding a fundraiser in Greenville that night. I'm Lisa Taylor.
1: South Carolina Senator Tim Scott says the world was safer when Donald Trump was president. You come
3: to one clear conclusion that without question, Ukraine was safer, the world was safer, and America was certainly safer.
1: The former GOP presidential hopeful says Russia did not attack Ukraine and Hamas did not attack Israel while Trump was in the White House. There
3: was no incursion in Ukraine like there was under President Obama. When Trump left office, there was an actual all-out war in Ukraine. Our southern border is the greatest national security risk we have as a nation. A Nikki
1: Haley surrogate says... He believes former President Trump's legal battles will cause him to run out of campaign cash. Where are the resources going to come from? The RNC itself has a record low
2: amount of cash on hand because of his leadership and his type of message.
1: New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who's not been a Trump fan, noting a recent campaign finance filing that showed Trump had spent $50 million on legal fees. She's
2: raising money and spending money on a campaign. He's spending all of his money right now, uh, at least 50 to $60 million on his legal fees.
1: Yeah, and of course, in addition to the legal fees judge ordering on Friday, Trump to pay that $350 million in fines in a civil fraud case. A South Carolina Democrat, longtime friend of the president, says misinformation efforts are his biggest concern regarding the 2024 race for the White House. I've
0: heard so much from people who seem to feel that everything they see or hear via the Internet It has some substance to them.
1: Congressman James Clyburn says the people believe a lot of negative information online about Biden. And he says a lot of that information is not
0: true. We've already seen uh, some of that taking place here in South Carolina regarding the Republican primary, inviting Democrats into the primary. And the Democratic governor of a swing state where polls have
1: President Biden and former President Trump running neck and neck says it's way too early to worry about the numbers. The
5: campaign hasn't really even joined yet. And this is the reason why we run races. And I would say to folks who are worried about the numbers, stop worrying and start working.
1: Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro there says he believes voters in this state have been voting for freedom and against extremism. Of course, he's a Democrat. They
5: rejected Donald Trump in 2020. They voted for me by historic margin in 2022 and a popular
1: radio show host who's been called the hip-hop's howard stern says nobody's inspired by this year's presidential election
0: the crooks are the republicans the, the cowards are the democrats because they don't fight hard enough on anything and you know the couch is voter
4: apathy
1: charlemagne the god calls a likely joe biden donald trump rematch a choice between an uninspiring candidate in biden and a threat to democracy and trump it's
0: absolutely true And it's mind-boggling to me that, you know, nobody is taking it as serious as I feel like they should. Nothing about, you know, Joe Biden that makes you want to listen to him. That's why he should be leaning on, you know, his vice president, Kamala Harris, who's way more charismatic than him.
1: And tech companies agreeing to fight... AI-generated election misinformation this year.
0: A group of 20 of the leading companies, including Microsoft, Meta, Google, OpenAI, Anthropic, Amazon, and Adobe, have signed a pact to police the rising problem on their platforms. AI-generated content has quickly led to serious concerns about election-related misinformation, also known as deep fakes. I'm Phil Hewlett.
6: The
1: opening bell it rings this morning on Wall Street, kicking off. The holiday shortened trading week. Stocks closed lower Friday to wrap things up after a larger than expected jump in wholesale prices. The January producer price index rose three tenths percent, adding to fears that the Federal Reserve will delay rate cuts at Friday's closing bell. The Dow lost 145 points. S&P 500 shed 24. NASDAQ fell 130 points. Investors today going to be keeping an eye on a couple of noteworthy earning reports. Walmart and Home Depot. Wednesday brings the results from Nvidia and Rivian Automotive, along with the release of the Fed's January meeting minutes.
0: Talk radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep,
1: that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, but it's going to be kind of on the cold side, the high 36. Tonight, over overnight, few passing clouds, low 29, and then we get a little warmer for Wednesday, sun and clouds, high 42. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are 20 and clear in Thornwood up in Westchester County. It's 16 and clear in Hamburg down in New Jersey. And 25 and clear outside our Midtown Studios. I was talking with Jill Nolan about this a few moments before. The We went to the uh, Stadium Series hockey games. Actually, we went to both. This is somebody who's not even a hockey fan. But, boy, was this fun. On Saturday, it was the Devils and the Flyers. Devils won. And then on Sunday afternoon, it was what an incredible game. The Rangers and Islanders. Islanders had a nice lead, but the Rangers able to come back and win. But the... Bigger than the games was the excitement in the crowd of 79,000 people watching a hockey game. And at first when I thought, oh, I'm going to sit out in the cold and watch hockey, a game I'm not even that thrilled about. Man, was it thrilling. And boy, the NHL put on a fantastic show from just what was going on inside the stadium for the kids to the events surrounding the game outside. It felt like um, a tailgating football game outside, people all trying to get in. Now, the one negative I'll say, and that has nothing to do with the NHL, and we'll get into this before the morning wears out, is um, they still haven't figured out how to get people in and out of that stadium And it's brutal getting out. And on Sunday, it was brutal getting in. So many people complaining about how bad it was trying to find a spot. Maybe they weren't expecting 79,000 people. But either way, they got. if they're going to host the World Cup, which they plan to do in two years, they got to figure it out. And then on an average Giants game, it's just brutal getting out of it. I don't know what it's like for the Jets. But anyway... NHL did a spectacular job and only did a service to the sport with the weekend. Uh, A new fan of me. I, boy, I enjoyed both of those games a lot. Down on the subways, new crime stats show that the crime in the subway is up 22% just since January. And we've had a host of high profile Crimes down below. Last week, you had a 29-year-old man slashed on the side of his neck with a knife at the Queens Plaza subway station. That was the tourist who was visiting us from Spain. Then you had a man playing the cello. It was, you know, just playing music for people down below and having people throw money into his case. Somebody came over and hit him over the head with a thermos. And that's just one of a number of crimes over the last couple months. It's just
5: like if people are going to push you um, down the rail or if just like there's going to be some weird people like attacking you. Usually, you know, it's not safe. I don't know what's going on in New York nowadays.
1: Governor Hochul, Mayor Adams, making much of the fact that extra police have been sent into the subway to keep riders safe, but crime underground is still on the rise. Police searching for the person who attacked a man with a pipe at a subway station in Queens. This happened about one in the morning at the Queensboro Plaza subway station, just one of the many crimes that has New Yorkers just freaked out about getting on a train recently.
5: It's just like if people are going to push you um, down the rail or if just like there should be some weird people like attacking you. Usually, you know, it's not safe. I don't know what's going on in New York nowadays.
1: Yeah, we had uh, people visiting us over the weekend, and they were like, is it safe to ride the subways? And I normally would say, yeah, go for it. But I said, well, you know, you may want to take an Uber. Since the beginning of the year, there have been a 22.6% increase in subway crime, 266 incidents compared to 217 in the same period of time last year in 2023. The MTA recently installing these buttons to summon help in an emergency. Some of these buttons have been here. For a while, but other ones are new. What's unclear is how long it takes cops for to arrive once you push one of those buttons. And if you are pushing one of those buttons, you no doubt you are in a panicked moment down below. But either way, bad news that crime is up 22% just since January down below. WABC News Time 5:38 out to Queens. A mother, her two kids, among several people injured. After a fire ripped through some houses in Queens, the flames came sweeping from the ground floor in the back of a house on 60th Road. This was about noontime yesterday. The kids were home because everybody was off from school, so trapped a mother and her two children, and they were able to get them out. She
4: said, I said a quick prayer because we couldn't get out through the front. I said a quick prayer, and then we came through the window, and we
1: saw them, and we heard you screaming. I was like, of course. You know. She you were was, screaming. I was
5: screaming that's my friend.
1: Firefighters rescued the Trap family just moments after they arrived on the scene. It took 140 firefighters 90 minutes to get the flames under control. Seven people suffered minor injuries, including a firefighter who fell into the basement when the floor collapsed. Red Cross says it's helping about 25 people and all many children home when the fire broke out. This guy who showed up from Service Pro, which was one of these groups that helps out after a fire, said he had never seen a house burn so badly.
0: We see things like this every day, but this is one of the worst fires I've seen in a very long time.
1: Yeah, so the good news here, nobody killed in this place. While we're in Queens, neighbors in Queens, Protesting a proposed shelter for homeless men that would be located in Regal Park. Folks worry that the shelter will lead to a potential increase in crime and businesses in the neighborhood shutting down. And so they're trying to fight it from happening.
5: People are angry. There's a park literally right down the street. There are schools around here. People are afraid of what's going to happen when the shelter opens up
1: so the city wants to make the wyndham garden hotel on 93rd street a homeless shelter for around 100 single men it would start in march it's unclear whether the 100 men housed at the shelter would be from the city's homeless population or they would be migrant men let's go a little bit further north nassau county lawmakers approving a bill that would allow liquor stores to stay open until 10 p.m. Right now, Monday through Wednesday, liquor stores can only stay open until 8 o'clock. Saturday hours would also be extended. But what's sort of interesting about this story is store owners say they didn't ask for longer hours, so they don't know what's really behind this all.
0: There seems to be less of a retail demand than more, like any other brick-and-mortar store people. There's more delivery, more online activity, not not a demand for later.
1: Yes, yeah, so two more hours of liquor store, would that really make a difference? And some people in Nassau County say they like the idea of the early 8 o'clock hour. It makes it feel a little bit safer.
4: Sometimes it's an inconvenience when they're closed early, but I just feel like maybe just for overall public safety, um, the time limit is maybe necessary.
1: Yes, yeah, so everybody's scratching their head. What's the push all about?
4: That...
2: Might be pretty bad, I believe. It'll make people want to drink more and I feel like that's a negative that's negative for our community.
1: Yes, yeah, so there's one thought that the state liquor authority looking to raise more tax revenue through the sale of alcohol and thinking that more hours will mean more sales. So they're gonna discuss this and it hasn't happened yet. Public hearings to replace The Port Authority's main terminal in Midtown Manhattan kicked off, but not many riders showed up or seemed to care about this. That's always the case with these public hearings. Not a
0: lot of people show up. I I don't really. I haven't given it much thought. It's a transit center, so you go in and out. Believe it or not, it, it works. You know, it gets me it gets me to where I need to go. So the
1: four public hearings aim to walk the community through the Federal Transit Administration's draft environmental impact statement and are part of this 45 day comment period that will end in March. Port Authority says its latest transit hub design meets future bus terminal demand, will accommodate electric bus charging, replace outdated infrastructure. No doubt the Port Authority is old and it feels that way when you walk through it. too
3: small for people waiting. That's it. People sometimes need to charge a phone. A couple more stores if they could put in here and stuff
0: like that. More bathrooms that are open early in the morning. More restaurants or maybe uh, food outlets. Less homeless people, more cops. Yeah,
1: that's always the issue. Is it always feels like it's uh, homeless, a little more dangerous. Uh, the Port Authority just needs a refresh.
5: You're in 42nd Street, so it should represent... What 42nd you know means, which is the tourist attraction, and it's, it's not up to date. It should be modern.
1: Let's go out to uh New Jersey. Cops looking, or I should say, here in the city, cops looking for a woman who attacked a customer in the City Pups pet store in Chelsea. There's video of this. It's kind of weird. Emilio. Ortez, the manager of the store said uh, a woman was asked to leave the store after she came in and started kicking the glass kennels with puppies inside. Everybody was sort of looking at each other going, what the hell is going on here? They're just nuts. I was just like, what the heck? Like, I was just like, it's insane. Yeah, no dogs were hurt, but on her way out, she was caught on camera slapping a female customer in the face. Once caught, she could face a charge of assault, but so far they have not been able to find her yet. Let's go out to New Jersey now. Newark Mayor Ross Baraka says he's going to run for governor of New Jersey was not a total surprise announcement, but the announcement and where it happened was kind of surprised. You'd think he'd make it in his home city of Newark, but no, he was in Trenton yesterday at a Black History event, and that's when he made the announcement. And uh, it wasn't like he asked for the press to be there or anything. This was just sort of what it sounded like. Just
0: the kid from Newark, yeah. and all of your weakness and feebleness, all your, your humanity that you.
1: Just like that, he is running for governor. He joins former state Senate President Steve Sweeney, who's announced he's running. Jersey City Mayor Steven Fulop also says he's announcing those are both the Democratic candidates for governor. Current Governor Phil Murphy's ten, uh, term rather, ends next year. 5.45, let's head over to the 77 W ABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin
2: Ellis. Thank you, Noah. Elaine will start with uh, developing news out of St. John where head coach Rick Patina said yesterday he stands by the criticism he leveled at his team Sunday night after the Red Storm blew a 19-point first half lead in a 68-62 to 62 home loss to Tri-State rival and fellow bubble team Seton Hall. The Hall of Fame coach in his first season at St. John's didn't hold back during a post-game oppressor in which he questioned his players' toughness and mentioned several by name while describing their athletic shortcomings. Here's a bit of what Patino had to say. just
0: lack like toughness. It's really that all the toughness things are why we give up leads. We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. And really it's not about losing. Because even in winning, winning when we watch the film, I see unathletic plays. I I see people that don't handle a ball that's just interested in taking quick shots. So it's been a disappointing year. This has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching.
5: you have any second thoughts of taking this job?
0: No, not at all. Yeah, it's not, it's not all. St. John's. It's my team. Look, I'm disappointed. I don't want to say the wrong things, but I'm really disappointed in my team. <laughs> didn't
2: Too really, late for that. Yeah, He didn't really send that, that sort of message that he didn't have any regret. That wasn't a no-regret sort, of, uh, sort of message Patino was sending, but yeah, he's not happy. Uh, but he was speaking on Newsday yesterday insisting that he, quote, truly wasn't ripping anybody. He was, quote, I was pointing out exactly in a monotone voice why we lost. St. John started the season with a 12 and 4 record including wins over Utah, Xavier, Butler, Villanova and Providence, but the wheels have fallen off since then with the Red Storm going 2 and 8 in their past 10 games to fall to ninth place in the Big East and out of the projected NCAA tournament field. News out of Brooklyn ahead of the second half of the NBA season getting underway later this week. After firing head coach Jacques Vaughn, the Brooklyn Nets are promoting assistant uh, Kevin Ollie to interim head coach. Ollie will run the Nets practice today and start his head coaching duties on Thursday against the Raptors. Sources have said the Nets have 28 regular season games left on their schedule. Looking ahead to ice hockey action tonight. Given the local absence of action yesterday, the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils will all drop 7 p.m. pucks tonight. As they return indoors at the Garden, the Rangers will welcome in the Dallas Stars while the Islanders visit the Penguins in Pittsburgh and the Devils face off with the Capitals in D.C. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC.
1: Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning search still on for three robbers. Held up a Gucci store in the meatpacking district yesterday. It was packed, the meatpacking district, on a Monday when most people had the day off. These three men, actually it's two men and a woman, walk into the store, West 14th Street, noon, lunchtime. They uh, hold up the store, pull out guns, tell everybody to get down
2: on the floor. I mean, like, what if my family was in there? My, my, my daughters are here. We could have been in that store. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, so they, all three of them displaying firearms. They told everybody in the store to get down. They take several pieces of luggage, other miscellaneous, uh, miscellaneous items that are worth thousands of dollars, and then walk out to a waiting Toyota. It's
3: very daring at the middle of the day for somebody to rob a very high-end um, store at gunpoint and put all the... The poor people there at risk. Terrible. And, yeah,
1: so the good news is nobody hurt. The thieves got away in this black Toyota with New York license plates, went westbound on 14th Street. Workers, okay, but you can imagine the people, customers, and workers who were in the store completely freaked out by what had just happened to them. Cops so far have not caught up with these three, but I imagine just a matter of time. Cameras everywhere, imagine, inside the Gucci store and in that neighborhood for that matter as well. The angry reactions continue to come in from the New York York Archdiocese over the funeral of a transgender community leader that took place at St. Patrick's Cathedral last week. They pieced this all together over the weekend. More than a thousand people had attended this Catholic service last Thursday that celebrated the life of Cecilia Gentili, who was a leading activist for the transgender community. She was a former sex worker. She had moved here from overseas. People in the community say that uh, it was the right place to hold it at St. Patrick's Cathedral, but St. Patrick's Cathedral uh, wants nothing of that.
4: I think when one of the eulogists, you know, used the word for um, for prostitute in Spanish, and I. I looked at the person sitting next to me and said, wait till they translate that. It was more celebratory than we normally see in a Catholic church and actually was kind of refreshing.
1: Yeah, not refreshing for people who are a member of the Archdiocese or for other Catholic members of the church calling the funeral service a scandal. They even held a special mass of reparation to re-sanctify the church after what it called scandalous behavior. Uh, There was lots of reaction from people who were heading into St. Patrick's yesterday, some in favor of letting the transgender community use the church others against
0: it it's a sad thing that to see that happening because uh, you want to open space for everybody make everything inclusive uh, as long as everyone respects each other
1: yeah so Gentili, who the service was for had come to the u.s for a safer life as a transgender woman she worked as a sex worker which came with drug use uh, she ended her life by helping raise millions of dollars for awareness of the trans community. So when people heard that, they said, well, I don't
3: know. I'm against all sort of prejudice. All sorts of prejudice. We are all equals.
1: Yeah, but some who saw and witnessed this service say the people inside were dressed inappropriately, scandalous, scandalously. The cathedral... Uh, only knew that family and friends were requesting a funeral mass for a Catholic, and they had no idea. They said their welcome and prayer would be degraded in such a sacrilegious way and a deceptive way, and now they're asking for an apology from the transgender community. The widow of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny says the Kremlin is hiding his body all in an effort to cover up his murder, Correspondent Matt Boldner has the latest on the allegations of this ongoing cover-up.
5: I think right now it's very safe to say a message is being sent in the way the Russian government is handling this. I mean... Alexei Navalny is already dead. This is this is sort of torturous, I, I would imagine, for the family.
1: Vocal critic of President Vladimir Putin died last week in a Russian prison. His mother and lawyers have reportedly been denied access to his body. His widow is accusing authorities of waiting for traces of poison to leave his body. She's been told she has to wait two weeks and she's convinced that's why. It's meant to send
5: a message, I think, not to the family, but to Russians, Russian voters, potential Russian uh, opposition voters, uh, where... Just about a month away from a Russian presidential election in which President Putin is essentially running unopposed in a meaningful sense.
1: A human rights group says over 400 supporters of Alexei Navalny have been arrested since the Russian opposition leader died last week.
6: In Russia, Navalny supporters have been laying flowers and tributes which Russian authorities are promptly removing.
1: That's correspondent Richard Engel. The group OVD Info, which monitors political arrests in Russia, says since Navalny's death, people have been arrested for simply placing flowers at one of his memorials. Then you have these people who, I would think, either you can call them brave or stupid, have been holding up signs in Moscow uh, questioning his death. Those people arrested in some high-profile video that's been shared over and over again. Prison
6: officials say the 47-year-old Navalny collapsed and died suddenly last week at a penal colony in Siberia.
1: Of course, Roundly being condemned his death around the world. People are convinced that Putin is behind it.
6: Navalny's widow blaming President Putin for his death and accusing the Kremlin of holding his body to hide the evidence.
1: Yeah, so we'll see what continuing story there. Two women. Oh, well, let's come back home. I should say two women dead after a fire broke out at a senior housing complex in Plainview over the weekend. Cops say. Eighty-four-year-old Teresa Casal, seventy-four-year-old Lynn Citron, died after flames broke out in this building Sunday morning at the Harmon Shepherd Hill Apartments.
3: They didn't have a chance. They didn't have a
1: chance. That's one of the other residents who said the victims were neighbors who looked out for each other. Seven others suffering smoke inhalation. Two dozen seniors were able to get evacuated. Nassau County Fires Marshal Office still investigating the cause, but believes it was all accidental. They
3: lost everything. But, I mean, everything's materialistic. You can replace it. You can't replace the life. So I couldn't breathe. It was just too, too much.
1: Yeah, I mean, at a senior living home.
3: I was awakened by a neighbor who called me
4: on the phone and she said, get out, get out, there's a fire.
1: Yeah, so the good news is most people did get out. Now the investigation continues into what started it all. Let's end on a much lighter note. Quinn Kenichi is a girl from Oakland, New Jersey, who is already an award-winning wrestler at the age of seven. She's following in the footsteps of her father who competed in the sport in college. <laughs>
4: like they asked me every day, you know, when we were going to start, if we were going to get a, you know, or going to order uh, shoes and a headgear. And eventually I did. And, you know, we started wrestling. We haven't stopped since.
1: Maya yeah, Quinn's mom says uh, she has so much energy that wrestling was a good way to channel it. It has been a good way to channel Quinn it. Quinn
2: was filled with a ton of energy. So I was like, let's find a way to kind of channel this energy. And. She just is like an energizer bunny. So I was like, let's let's try it.
1: So her aim is to become an Olympic wrestler. And apparently she's well on her way winning all these matches. She's up against boys. She has 72 pins under her belt at the age of seven. This is unbelievable. Her next big match is at a tournament in April. Here she is. I know that I'm
4: going to win the tournament. Um, I like to pin them because um, most girls don't wrestle boys.
1: Yeah, this might be one to watch for the Olympics. Quinn Kenichi from Oakland, New Jersey.